Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Uh, how many of you are glad that the mask mandate is gone? Amen. Feels good to walk around like a normal person again. Amen. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Somebody asked me, it's kind of funny, they asked me uh, two weeks ago or a week ago whenever they lifted the mandate, they said, well, how's, that, how's the new guidelines going to affect your church? I just kind of chuckled. I said, well, we've been mask optional for over a year now. Amen. So uh, I'm thankful. And I'm just thankful. Uh, his church hadn't even reopened yet. I'm just thankful we've been open for over a year now to the glory of God. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? All right. Well, speaking of church, today is Pentecost Sunday. It's a day that Christians recognize all over the world, and Christianity recognizes today as the birthday of the church. It was on this day, Pentecost Sunday, some 2,000 years ago, that the New Testament church was born. And I want to tell you a little bit about that today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. Amen. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. And now I want you to look at verse 3 and 4 once again. This time from the New Living Translation, it says this, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Pentecost is possibly one of the most uh, confusing things to some Christians, yet it's so simple. It was there in the book of Acts, in the New Testament. It was the birthday of the church. And so today I want to begin a three-week series called The Fire Still Falls. Amen? And today's message is The Fire of Pentecost. The Fire of Pentecost. Amen? Now, Acts chapter 2 and Pentecost Sunday is significant in the sense that Christians universally, regardless of denomination, recognize this chapter and these events as the birth of the Christian church. Some of you may have a study Bible. In your Bible, uh, it might even have the notes and next to it. It says the birth of the church or the origin of the church. The day of Pentecost was one of the most phenomenal and important dates in history. And there's several reasons for this. I've already mentioned it was the birthday of the church. It marked the coming of the Holy Spirit. It was the corporate filling of the body of Christ with the Holy Spirit. It was a powerful and personal 
filling of individual believers with the baptism of the Spirit. And it was also the power and presence of God coming upon believers and gifting them and equipping them for the work of the kingdom. Now, we know that the story or the beginnings of anything significant, whether it's a movement or an institution, and in this case, the birth of the church is certainly significant, right? We celebrate birthdays, anniversaries, because those are dates that mark the origin of something or someone that's important to us. And certainly the origin of something as important as the Christian church ought to be something we recognize and celebrate. Amen? Eddie Colley once told me something that I loved, and I'll never forget it. He said, Pentecost Sunday should be considered the Super Bowl of the church world. <laughs> Amen. And the Super Bowl of the church world. I love that. You know, history remembers significant events. For example, the yearly remembrance that we have on July the 4th where we're reminded of the price that was paid in order for us to enjoy the freedoms that we have today or remembering things like the Civil Rights March from Montgomery to Selma, Alabama. It's significant. It should not be forgotten because remembering and celebrating captures our imagination and it brings things to remembrance to us uh, for later generations. And the remembrance of the birthday of the New Testament church on the day of Pentecost is something we should take note of. We need to remember it so that we can celebrate it. But more important than just remembering this day or mentioning this day, we also need to be sure to keep this day alive so that we can emulate it, so that we can embrace it, and so that we can make sure it's still a part of our New Testament Christian experience. Can everybody say amen to that? See, I, I don't know about you, but I drove past a couple of churches uh, today that I saw on their signs, marquee, about Pentecost Sunday or remembering what Pentecost Sunday is. And I believe the origins of the church on the day of Pentecost, it needs to be a part of our personal walk with God. And it needs to be part of our doctrine because, hear me, the fire did not stop at Pentecost. It is still falling, amen? It's still falling. Acts chapter 2 records the outpouring of the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now this feast was named Pentecost and it was celebrated by Israel. It, it means 50th and it occurred each year 50 days after the presenting of the first sheaves of harvest on the day following the, uh, the, uh, the Passover Sabbath. It was a feast that commemorated the harvest and the first produce from the promised land. The Jews also celebrated the giving of the Ten Commandments on this day because they felt like the Ten Commandments were given 50 days after their exodus from Egypt. But why is Pentecost Sunday still significant to us today? Because it was the birthday of the church and it lit a New Testament fire beginning in the book of Acts that is still burning around the world. Amen? I want you to understand something today. The baptism of the Holy Spirit did not die with the apostles. Amen? It is not a gift that ceased to exist with the canonization of the New Testament as many cessationists would, would try to have you believe. Amen? And maybe I'll talk about that another time. It started in an upper room in Jerusalem. 
and it is spread to the sawdust-covered tent floors of healing evangelists all around our country. I, it, it, it fell in a radical church revival that happened over 100 years ago on a street in Los Angeles by the name of Azusa Street. Amen. Anybody know about Azusa? Amen. Come on. It was a revival that occurred, and it brought people of all races and all denominations together. Azusa was significant. Go home and look it up. Because, it was, I mean, it was front page L.A. Times significant. They were reporting on people being slain in the Spirit. The Holy Ghost falling on people of all different age groups and races. By the way, back then, uh, people of different races and ethnicities did not worship together. But at Azusa, they came together. Black, white, uh, Hispanic. It didn't matter what their age was. It didn't matter their background. And by the way, can I just throw this in? The church ought to still look like that. Come on, somebody. We don't need all black churches. We don't need all white churches. We don't need all brown churches. Come on. We all bleed the same red blood, and we're all saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. What happened in Azusa should still be happening today. Amen. But I want to tell you something amazing. It is still happening today. The Pentecostal charismatic movement continues to sweep our world. Now, when I say Pentecostal and charismatic, I want to be clear with you today. Here at Life Church, we are not hung up on how you identify us. We don't care. Spirit-filled, charismatic, full gospel, non-denominational, Pentecostal. I don't care. We welcome people from all denominational backgrounds and people with no denominational background. Amen. There are people in this church that uh, have Catholic backgrounds, Methodist backgrounds, Baptist backgrounds, Lutheran backgrounds, Presbyterian backgrounds, and I've got a Pentecostal background. <laughs> Amen. Now hear me. We are not interested in your denominational labels any more than I'm interested in the label that's on the shirt that you're wearing or the jeans that you got on today. Amen. I don't care what kind of car you drive. I don't care if you're wearing Levi's or Wranglers, amen. I don't care if your tie is from uh, Countess Maris or Chaos Martis, amen. It doesn't matter to me, amen. I just want you to know what's important is, do you have Bible salvation? And do you have the full relationship with Jesus Christ that he offered you in the New Testament? That's what matters, Amen. I am happy to tell you that I am a Christian who has experienced the fire of Pentecost. Anybody else in this room know what I'm talking about? Now hear me, not the denomination, not the Christian subculture, not the label, the experience. And the reason I have experienced it is because the fire of Pentecost is still falling. Now let me just say this. I know talking about Pentecostal fire, speaking in tongues, Holy Ghost, gift of the Spirit, Azusa Street, people falling out. Come on, I know that might not be seeker sensitive to talk about. But can I just be honest and tell you, one reason the church world, Christianity as a whole, has gotten so anemic and so powerless is because we have stopped talking about the baptism and the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Oh, I'm going to help somebody today. Come on. This church was born in the fire. We got to still be in the fire. Come on, somebody. We still need the fire of the Holy Spirit falling on us. Amen. Again, not the denomination, the experience. See, the fire of the Holy Spirit is still falling. I'm telling you right now, I could give you names of denominations and names of pastors. If I said their names, you would know who I'm talking about. That are not, they do not identify as Pentecostal. And they are teaching and preaching their congregations about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to tell you right now, there are Baptists and there are Catholics and there are Methodists that are receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues by the hundreds of thousands. And you want to know why? Because this ain't a Pentecostal thing. This is a God thing. This ain't a charismatic thing. This is a God thing. This ain't a, uh, a denominational perspective. This is a spirit thing. That's why the New Testament church saw such great revival. And that's why the fire is still falling today. Now, unfortunately, across our land, there are people who are gathering in churches today or maybe even watching online who really cannot say with assurance that what they have or what they are experiencing is what they had in the days of the apostles. So my question to you today is, why would you settle for anything less? Amen? Now, if you take me out to lunch today and you say, Pastor, you can have a T-bone steak or you can have a boiled hot dog. There ain't probably ain't nothing worse than a boiled hot dog. Now, you go ahead and grill it. I'm there. Don't boil no hot dog, amen. No, actually, the only thing worse than a boiled hot dog is hot dog water, amen. <laughs> yeah, 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 y'all know what I'm talking about. But you give me a choice between a T-bone steak and a hot dog. How many of y'all in the T-bone steak camp with me? That's what, Yeah, yeah. If you offer me dessert and you offer me a, a, a hot glazed Krispy Kreme donut or a sugar-free Lifesaver, Baby, give me my Krispy Kreme. Amen. See, here's the deal. Why settle for less when you can have the best? And I, I want to talk to some people. I know you love Jesus. I know you're a believer. I know that you feel like, yeah, I, I'm in. I'm, I'm doing good. But why settle for less than everything you can have, which includes the fire of the Holy Ghost? Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about a T-bone steak experience. Come on, I'm talking about a Krispy Kreme hot glazed donut experience, amen. I'm talking about when I got in church, I didn't just accept the Lord, but God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I spoke in tongues, and he turned my life around, amen. I'm talking about when God filled me with the Holy Ghost, it gave me the power to stop drinking, to stop cussing, to stop smoking dope. Come on, somebody. God changed my life. And it was because the fire of Pentecost fell in my life. It was prophesied all throughout the Bible. The Old Testament, just a few, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Joel, Jeremiah 31, 33. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be 
my people. Look what Ezekiel said in Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Look at Joel, Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servant and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, just as these and other prophets of the Old Testament promised, the Holy Spirit is available to all that love God and want Him to possess your life. It was also prophesied in the New Testament a few years before Pentecost even took place. The prophet John the Baptist foretold the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3 and 11 records his words. Look, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. He's talking about Jesus. He said, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Look, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Hallelujah. Even Jesus himself prophesied the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He talked about it in John 7, 38 and 39. In that passage, he likened the future coming of the Spirit to having rivers of living water flowing forth from your inner being. And these were the words that he made a promise in John 7, 39. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. What that simply means was Jesus said the Holy Spirit had not yet come because he still had to die and be resurrected, glorified. And then the Holy Spirit would come. And it did. Hallelujah. If you read through the New Testament, you read through the Bible, Jesus told his disciples to go and wait for the promise of the Father in Jerusalem uh, and, and that they were going to be endued with power from on high. And that's what happened. I want to tell you right now in this room here today, no matter what your occupation is, no matter what your circumstance in life, if you will believe God's word, you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I want to say. I want to challenge you today. You might have been brought up in a denomination that did not believe in the gifts of the Spirit or in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or in speaking with tongues. Here's what I want to just say to you. I want to encourage you to open your mind to revelation from God's Word and say, God, if there's more for me, I want it. Amen? Just open up your mind. Open up your heart. Open up the Word of God. And realize, God, if there's more for me, I want it. In his letter to the Ephesian Christians, Paul, the apostle, wrote, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's Ephesians 5.18. See, folks, we can all drink of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is given without reservation to those who are thirsty enough to drink and drink and keep drinking until they're filled to overflowing. Amen. How many of you know there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus had instructed his disciples, wait in Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father. And that is exactly what happened in the book of Acts. The New Testament outpouring 
was the new covenant institution of God's law. Not commandments written on stone, the law, the Old Testament, but commandments written in our hearts by the Spirit. We're guided by the Spirit, not just the law. Romans 8, 14 says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So when, when did it happen? What, what, what was this really all about? I'm just going to skim over this, but it all started with the Jews in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit began with about 120 people that were there waiting just as Jesus had instructed them. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was even in that group. You may not have known that. But the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was the wonderful gift that Jesus promised. It was a beautiful endowment of His presence that we can have in our lives. How many of you know that God always gives good gifts? To those who love him. Amen. That's in the Bible, James 1.17. And I'm going to tell you, there's no gift that is greater than the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. See, the group of people that originally received this gift of the Spirit on that day, read Acts 2. Apparently, it was a pretty noisy bunch. <laughs> Apparently, it was pretty exuberant. It got the attention of everybody around them. The noise of those disciples worshiping and magnifying God in various languages. It attracted quite a crowd of onlookers. As a matter of fact, read your Bible, Acts chapter 2. They were all amazed, the Bible said, because they heard them speaking in tongues the wonderful works of God in their own native languages. You might say, well, didn't they all speak the same language? No. They were gathered from all around the world to celebrate the Passover and to celebrate Pentecost. So there, it was this big multinational gathering. And all of a sudden, fire falls. They start worshiping God. They begin to speak with tongues. And everybody's like, what is going on here? And then the apostle Peter stood up, began to preach to them about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then in Acts 2.37, I didn't give them these verses, but in Acts 2.37, they were all convicted, and the Bible says they asked Peter, what do we do? What do we do now? Great sermon, Peter. Time for the altar call. What do we do? And then in Acts 2.38, it says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The same gift that just got poured out on them in that upper room. That same gift that empowered them. Amen. But it didn't stop there. Those tongues and those languages and that impartation fell in that upper room. Look at Acts 2 and 4 again from the King James. It says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 2 and verse 4 says, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So you don't hear this preached about a lot in church, do you? But it's still in the book. Amen. Matter of fact, it happened on the birthday of the church. Those in the upper room were filled with the Spirit of God. It had never happened like this before. People had felt God around them. They'd felt His Spirit before, but nobody had ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit in this manner. So how did those around them know they were being filled? Because they heard them speak with other tongues. Now hear me, there's other signs and evidences that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
That's another whole sermon. We could do a whole series on that. But the initial evidence of this baptism was speaking in tongues. Languages they had never studied in school. Languages they didn't understand that they were speaking. And when the baptism of the Holy Spirit took place, it was witnessed by speaking in tongues. Now, let me just say this. I know speaking in tongues might seem kind of weird, but think about it this way. It's no weirder than, the believe, than believing that the blood of an innocent man can wash away our sins. If, if we really want to just lay it all out on the level of faith, come on somebody, it's no different than believing we can anoint somebody with oil and pray the prayer of faith and believe God for healing, Amen. You see, you know what I want to say? I think the devil has tried to, and, and, and by the way, our flesh too. There's a lot of people that have made it weird. But I think the devil has tried to take something powerful and put this element of weirdness on it so that people are afraid to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can I get a little help from the church out there? Amen. So why don't we just accept the fact that the Bible is full of a lot of cool stuff, a lot of it doesn't make sense to the natural mind, and understand, you know what, just maybe the fire is still falling just like it did on the day of Pentecost. Surely if God can prepare a whale to follow, to, to swallow up a backslidden preacher by the name of Jonah, God can still do something amazing in the New Testament church. Why tongues? Well, just a little bit, James tells us something about the tongue. When we, James 3, 3 and 8, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Anybody ever rode a horse? It's not a trick question. I, I did one. It was the most terrifying 15 seconds of my life. Amen. <laughs> That's another story. Verse 4, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, everybody say likewise. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Anybody created any forest fires with your mouth before? Amen. Come on, tell the truth and shame the devil. Amen. You know it. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed. And have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. But let me tell you who can tame the tongue. Come on. God can. And when you're speaking in tongues, God has just tamed the one thing in you that you can't tame yourself. It's an evidence that something just happened in your life. And let me just tell you this about speaking in tongues. I did not appreciate this until I traveled overseas. But speaking in tongues is also a sign that you can see from different language groups. It's invisible evidence. I've, I've seen people by the hundreds receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Mexico. I've seen it happen in the Philippines. I've seen it happen in Thailand. And this English-speaking preacher 
knew immediately when these people that spoke different languages came forward and began to worship. And when God baptized them in the Holy Spirit, it was a visible manifestation that something took place. It was amazing. I didn't even have to understand what they were saying to recognize that they were speaking in a different tongue. It was powerful. It was beautiful. And let me just say this too. You may be able to argue with me on theology, but you cannot argue with me about my experience. Hallelujah. August the 20th, 1982, a 15-year-old boy who had been expelled from school for selling drugs, I found myself at a camp altar kneeling at an old wooden bench, and I raised my hands, and God filled me with the Holy Spirit, and I began to speak with other tongues, and it changed my life. Let me ask this question. Is there anybody else out there that you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and it turned you around and it changed your life? Hallelujah. Because the fire is still falling. And before the day of Pentecost was done, approximately 3,000 people were added to that initial harvest of souls. But it didn't stop there. It happened again with the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8. Peter and John laid their hands on the converts at Samaria, and when they prayed for them, they received the Holy Spirit. And then it happened again in Acts chapter 10 on the outpouring of, of Cornelius, I'm sorry, yeah, on Cornelius and his family in Caesarea. The Holy Spirit fell. Peter prayed preached to that Roman officer and to his entire household. Peter had brought some other Jewish believers with him. And they witnessed the Christian, these, these Gentiles receiving the Holy Spirit. And it literally says that the right way they knew was they heard them speak with tongues. See, and if you want to be filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit, it starts by understanding that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not something you earn. Come on, you're never going to get good enough to receive the Holy Spirit, amen? Because I'm going to just tell you right now, the greatest Christian you know is still a sinner that's been saved by the grace of God, amen? So you're never going to get good enough. It's a gift. And the gift doesn't come from begging for it or earning it. It does not happen just by working yourself up emotionally and then speaking uh, words of emotion, amen? The Spirit is given by the Lord, to those who believe, and it comes by His grace through faith. And by the way, in all giving, there's both a giver and a receiver, right? There's got to be a desire to give, but there's also got to be a desire to receive. And there also must be a desire to receive everything God has for us. Peter's experience in the house of Cornelius taught him that the gift of the Spirit was not restricted to just a certain class of people, a certain race, amen, but it was available to, excuse me, to anybody that would believe and receive it. And it didn't stop there, folks. Acts chapter 19, the apostle Paul arrived at Ephesus and he found a number of believing, faith-filled followers of John the Baptist. And then he asked them whether they had received the Holy Spirit. Read it, Acts 19, 1 through 6. And you know what their response was? We haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? And then he asked them, how are you baptized? They said John's baptism. And then when you keep reading the Scripture, it says that Paul then baptized each of them in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of his sins. And then the Scripture says that they all received the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. And folks, I'm going to fast forward from Acts chapter 19 to right now today. 
God is still pouring out his spirit on all flesh. Hebrews verse 11 and 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want to say this. Some of you right now, and God bless you for this. Some of you right now, this is stretching you a little bit. Some of you, maybe you're watching online and you're like, yeah, I don't know. I was raised in a church. We didn't do that. We were told that that died with the apostles. We were, we, we were told you don't speak in tongues, amen. We were, we were told that was just charismatic chaos, amen. That was just Pentecostal propaganda, amen. That was just full gospel foolishness, amen. You know, we were told all this stuff. You know what I want to tell you? Notice Hebrews 11 and 6, three things. you got to have faith, you got to believe, you got to diligently seek Him. So to some of you who have been struggling with this, or maybe you're on the fence, I want to encourage you to open up your mind and open up the book and say, God, I'm open to a fresh revelation of anything that you might have for me. How many of you know, can I just say this, denominations have screwed everything up. I expected a better response than that, amen? No wonder so many people are confused. You got the Baptist saying one thing, the Methodist saying something else, the Catholic saying something else, the, the Pentecostal saying something else, the Presbyterian saying something else. Can I get in there in the weeds and just be real for a minute? You know what we need to do? We need to look at the book and see what the book says. See if my experience lines up with what they had in the Bible, amen? And know what a better place to start than the day that the church was born. I want what they had then because everything else has been tainted since then. I want what they had in Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to change my life. I want the praise team to come on up. The book of Romans is an excellent study on human nature. All throughout the book of Romans, Paul contrasts the spirit of man with the spirit of God to show the two variant natures. He carefully and accurately reveals the results of a person who is living after the flesh versus someone who is pursuing a life in the spirit. He goes on to point out that those who receive the spirit of God are not living according to the flesh, but are living by the Spirit if the Spirit dwells in them. By the way, can I just say this? Spirit-filled people still fall down in, in their flesh sometimes. Come on, and don't make the Holy Ghost any less real just because somebody's messed up or somebody doesn't know. Come on, somebody. It doesn't make it any less real because your favorite preacher black backslid or your, your grandpa did this. Come on, I'm trying to help somebody right now. Don't tarnish the Holy Ghost because a few backslidden, messed up people didn't walk the same way. Praise God. This young lady, amen, did you hear what she said? She said, I've received it, I've spoken in tongues, and I was raised in the Lutheran church, amen. I'm going to pray with you right now in just a few moments, sister. Isn't that awesome? Come on, it doesn't matter what denomination you are. Come on, I want to help somebody right now. Doesn't matter what they taught you growing up. Get in the book. Somebody say, get in the book. I'm going to tell you this. If it's in the book, it's for you. And it's for me. Matter of fact, it's for everybody in this room right now. 
Romans 8, 8 and 9, it says, Said then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if. Everybody say if. Anytime the Bible says if, you need to pay attention to what comes after if. If what? If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. I want you to stand with me all over this house. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I love what she said. Sounds like my testimony. She said when God filled her with the Holy Ghost, she immediately got rid of her cigarettes. A 20-year smoking habit. Amen. God filled me with the Holy Ghost, and I just, no joke, she brought it up. Amen. I was down at the altar praying. This ain't no joke. And I'm not saying this happens for everybody. I was down at the altar praying. I was a Marlboro man, not the, not the handsome guy on the horse. But I had a pack of Marlboros in my pocket, and I was praying. And you know what? Now, this doesn't happen to everybody, but the Lord had already dealt with me about smoking. That's the qualifier. Make sure you catch that. So I'm standing there, and the Lord's like, I'm not giving you this gift yet because you're not willing to give up something that I've asked you to get rid of. Maybe this is to help somebody. So you know what I did? I literally, I took my cigarettes out of my pocket. I walked out of the building I was in. I threw them in the trash can. I came back in, listened to the rest of the sermon, stood up, and God powerfully filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, do not misread what I'm saying. You don't get good to get God. There are no qualifiers. But I'm just telling you that God had already spoken to me about something. Can I just help some of you right now? Some of you, you've been praying for the baptism of the Spirit. You haven't got it yet. But can I, can I just be honest? Because you're still walking in willful disobedience. I'm not even going to fill in the blank. My blank was, get the Marlboros out of your pocket. But now I've seen people, I've seen drunk people get the Holy Ghost. I mean, stone cold drunk, barely awake, God fill them with the Holy Ghost. Whoa! Speaking in tongues, come up out of the water. I've seen people come out of the water. I've seen people be healed. I've seen all different types of people receive it. I want you to know something today. God has it for you. And to those of you that are confused or conflicted about this, all I'm asking you to do is pray. Forget about what your denomination told you. Forget about what your auntie's preacher told you. Say, God, if it's in that book, I want it for myself. The fire that fell at Pentecost is still falling today. I can't remember if I said this in the first service or if I said it earlier. I could tell you names of preachers that most of you would recognize. Pastoring large, large denominational churches. Churches in the thousands. Guys who've written books. Popular Christian bestsellers. And guess what they're doing? They're standing up in their churches and they're encouraging people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're testifying about their own walk with God and their own Holy Spirit baptism. And they're telling them about it to, to, to the dismay of their denominations. Some of them have said, hey, I'm gonna, I'll turn in my denominational card, but I'm not going to turn in my experience from the Bible. You know what it's called? It's called an end time Holy Ghost revival. 
Come on. God doesn't care about the shingle on the door. Amen. He compares, he, he's concerned about the condition of your heart and your willingness to receive. You've heard me say it many times, and it's true. Pentecost is not a religion. It's not a denomination. Pentecost is an experience. And if you truly desire the Holy Spirit, you can receive it. I've seen all types of people get it. Young, old, rich, poor, uneducated, educated, one at a time, even hundreds at a time. I saw hundreds of Buddhists receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the nation of Thailand. Amen. I had the personal privilege of taking them from that service and baptizing over 300 of them in a river. Amen. Come on, don't tell me God's not still doing it. Amen. He's still doing it. Spanish, Asian, black, white, Indian, doesn't matter. All flesh, the Bible says. Does anybody want to receive that gift? Let me ask you this. Does anybody need a renewing of the Holy Spirit in your life? Come on, some of you are Holy Spirit filled, but you've lost your joy or you feel backslidden. Some of you, it's just time to stir up the gift of God that is in you. Amen? Come on, some of you need to pray in your prayer language. Some of you need to pray in tongues. It's been a long time since you've had a breakthrough in your life. That preacher, this isn't very guest friendly. This isn't very... Yeah, you know what? We just need to be Bible friendly. Amen? Because I want everybody to have everything God wants us to have. You don't have to beg. It's a gift. So I'm going to open up this altar right now. And when I do, here's what I want. If you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't work for everybody. This is how it was for me. I repented of my sins. And if you haven't done that, that's the first thing you need to do. God, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash away my sins. I accept you into my life. I believe in you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says angels rejoice when you do that. When you take that first step, when you make that step toward God, the Bible said angels rejoice. But here's the thing. So many people stop there. They pull their hands down. They wipe a few tears. They say, well, man, that was great. I feel great. But man, there's so much more. And you just keep on praying. You just keep on worshiping. God, I love you. I worship you. And you just let the Bible says as the Spirit gives the utterance. And I'm just going to tell you, your tongue might begin to change. Words might start coming out that you don't understand. And you know, a lot of people, they get, they get scared. They clam up. They stop. Oh, what's going on? Somebody's going to see me. Somebody's watching. Somebody, no, no, no. And you just let it flow. You just let it flow. You don't worry about anybody around you. Amen. You just let it flow. You begin to pray in other tongues. You let it flow. You stop praying in English. You just let, begin to pray in other tongues. Let God baptize you in the Holy Spirit. If you've never been Holy Spirit baptized, but it's been a long time since you've felt the gift operating here, I want you to just raise your hand and say, God, I want you to reactivate my experience. God, I want you to help me. I lay aside my flesh. I want to begin to submit to you and let the power of God begin to operate in your life. How many of you know what this world really needs is not better politicians. We don't need better schools. Amen. What we need is a Holy Ghost-filled church. A Spirit-led generation of believers who are ready to see the power of God operate. Amen. 
I want to see lives changed. I want to see people healed. I want to see them set free. I want to see them delivered. And it starts with the power of the Holy Spirit. So as the praise team begins to sing, you just step out from where you are. And you come down, and we'll pray with you if you'd like, but you don't even have to have somebody lay hands on you. You just raise your hands, and you begin to pray, and you begin to ask God to touch you. You begin to ask God to fill you. You begin to ask God to open up your heart and your mind. Would you come? Would you come? Come on. Amen. Come on. Come on, that's it. Step out from where you are.